Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Takes from the Lakes podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Nash. Unfortunately, not joined by James today, but we do have a very special guest, uh, the a, a pitching scout for San Francisco Giants and a former MLB pitcher, uh, Mr. Dan Murray. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Nash. How you doing? Good. I'm doing good. Uh, we're excited to have you on. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So could you just real quick give us a little uh, little bit of an intro about what you do for the Giants? Yeah, so basically I uh, travel around the country and I look at pitchers uh, and try to get, uh, get high-speed video of them. And uh, uh, we do reports on them, we grade them out, and we get them ready to put them on our board for the draft. Awesome, awesome. So, you know, having been a pitcher yourself, like what what sort of things are you looking for that make sort of a good prospect? <clears throat> yeah, you know, you look for the normal things, uh, the tools, the fastball, the breaking ball. Uh, how much control does he have? Uh, how big a how big a uh, guy is he? Does he have good yeah. mechanics? Does he have a good arm action? All that normal stuff. Um, I think when we really try to dig, we try to find out about their makeup. Uh, how good of a a worker are they? Are they going to be a distraction in the clubhouse? Uh, is their off-field behavior as good as their on-field behavior? Those are really, really important things that actually have a lot more to do than just the tools. Uh, you can have the tools and, and the fastball and the breaking ball, but without the makeup, uh, it makes it hard to uh, to uh, just find your ceiling as a pitcher. Yeah. And then other – so the MLB draft, obviously way more drafts than looking NFL, NBA. So as you get into sort of later rounds – what are you looking at that might be different um, compared to sort of earlier rounds? Sure. No, it's a, it's a very good question. Um, it's different for every team and it's different for every round and every pick. But as you start getting later in the draft, you look for pluses. You look for a plus fastball. Does it have good characteristics? Are you looking for a plus curveball? Um, you may be looking for a certain position um, or just a certain pitch. Uh, you might be looking for a starter. You might be looking for a reliever that throws hard. So you kind of put all these things together. You have them lined up on your board, and you try to pick the one uh, with the best attributes that you're looking for, that your team's looking for, and hopefully sign that person to a contract. Yeah. So the draft was very recently. Uh, and then in the first round, you guys took a two-way player. Um, so – that's obviously very intriguing. Could you just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so both with uh, Bryce Eldridge this year and uh, last year's pick, Reggie Crawford, uh, we took two-way players, uh, both very talented on both sides of the ball. Uh, uh, this year's draft, uh, he, he is a fantastic hitter. He's a left-handed hitter, very strong, very big. And when he's on the mound and he's feeling good, he throws hard. He has a good breaking ball, uh, throws a lot of strikes. He's super competitive. We love his makeup. He's just a fantastic player uh, all the way through. So we're looking forward to seeing him develop. Yeah. Okay. So um, a lot, a lot. there's been a lot of talk, um, especially baseball. The people I'm surrounded with that know a lot about baseball talk about the difference between lefties and righties. My high school had a, a 6'6 lefty who ended up being drafted this year, 12th round by the Padres. Um, 
And then, you know, we had a right-hander who ended up going to VMI, doesn't throw quite as hard, but was by all accounts a better pitcher. Sure. So, you know. Are you talking about statistically? Yeah. I mean, he less runs, better whip. Um, sure. You know, more innings pitched. So, you know, could you talk about why sort of lefties are seen as much more valuable? Uh, it may not have had to do everything with him just being a lefty. He might yeah. just have had more projection to him left. Yeah. Uh, he might have. But uh, as far as lefties, it's a different look. Uh, they seem to uh, have uh, a much better feel to pitch uh, for the most part, and they seem to have a better, uh, a much, much more success getting guys out only because it's a different look. You don't see as many lefties up there as you do right-handers. Yeah. So uh, it's always good to get that different look, just as, as it is for a hitter. Um, you want to face, as a hitter, you want to face something they're used to, and you're not always used to seeing a ball coming from that side or a changeup tailing away from you since there are more right-handed hitters and left-handed hitters. So uh, it just adds a little bit of an advantage for the left-handed pitcher. Yeah. Okay. And then, so looking at um, – sorry, I just got to pull up the notes real quick. No, you're um, fine. Could you just talk about um, a little – so the minor league path is very sort of unique, again, to baseball. Um, could you yeah. talk about, you know, how you draft guys on sort of a timeline, like whether you see a guy maybe making it to the MLB very quickly or whether you see him maybe taking a while to develop in the minors? Um, is there any like sort of strategy to that? And how does the minor league sort of play a factor in the draft? Uh, yes, there's definitely a strategy to that. Uh, you may be looking for someone that can help out your big league club in the next couple of years as a reliever. You may be looking down the line as a as a solid starter that will need some time to develop, learn how to pitch a little bit. Um, it's very individualized. We could think it's going to take somebody a long time to make it there, and they may fly through the minor leagues. And another guy that we think uh, is is going to fly through the minor leagues might need a little more time just to just to learn the way of professional baseball. It's it's very unique and. Uh, very hard to predict at times. So uh, we do a lot of a lot of discussions before the draft, whether we think a guy is going to need an extra year uh, in Arizona or if we can start him out at a higher level. So uh, those are all things we talk about, but it's very unique and individual to each player. And it could yeah. happen at any time. So, you know, your jurisdiction is obviously within just the USA. Um, but then, you know, for international players, there is no draft. Um, could you speak about, you know, there've been even some talks about that changing. Could you speak about that, you know, how that affects sort of team building, like for teams that are looking to build internationally, especially with the amount of international talent? Yeah, we have a great international department. Um, they do a fantastic job of finding young players, which is extremely difficult. Um, think about you when you're, 14 years old compared to what you're like now and from now to from 16 to what you're going to be at 21 these are huge differences in what you're going to be as a person and as an athlete um so they've really got to predict and project on each player so it's a it's a tough tough deal um and our guys do a fantastic job as far as as there being an international draft i don't know the details on that i don't know where they are as far as 
uh, deciding whether or not they're going to do that. Yeah. Um, and then just going back a little bit. So, you know, obviously you, I think you were even at the game, the giants most recently won, uh, the world series in 2014. I think you were at my house, uh, when that, (laughs) when that game happened, um, could you talk a little bit about, obviously, you know, Giants, not a small market, but not, not a huge market either um, for baseball. Could you talk a little bit about like sort of the, the team building that went into that and how you guys have been able to have continued success beyond that without huge free agent signings? Yeah, we have a fantastic uh, player development department. Um, We can send guys over there with full trust that they're going to take care of them, develop them in a way that's, that's, best for the San Francisco Giants. Obviously, our main goal is to win World Series. Uh, We want to do it with the right people. We want to do it with our people, uh, preferably. But sometimes trades are made because you've developed somebody in a way that makes them attractive to another team. Uh, And those those trades are always helpful. Um, As far as that run of 10, 12, 14 with the World Series, we just had a fantastic structure in the minor leagues. Um, We had uh, some great drafts that put some really good players on the field. And I, I might misspeak here, but I think uh, uh, at one time we had like six of the starting uh, nine were homegrown players. May have even been more than that at some point, but um, it was really fun to watch. And it's, it's always a lot more fun when you know that the people within the organization that drafted them, uh, developed them and taught them uh, are really rewarded when, when it's your own guys that are doing it on the field. Yeah. Okay. Um, just looking at the the minor league system that you guys have right now, uh, you've got some very exciting uh guys. So Kyle Harrison, uh Carson Weisenhurst, uh both left handed pitchers. Uh could you talk Wizen, about maybe Wizen Hunt, yep. Yep. Wizen Hunt. Um could you talk maybe about what you sort of like about those guys? <clears throat> so Kyle Harrison is uh first of all, his makeup is off the charts. Yeah. This guy's one of the hardest workers. Uh, he's focused, he knows what he's about, and he's very young. Uh, he's just impressive to be around. Um, and it's he's been nothing but but great for the Giants since uh, we were able to sign him. He, uh, he has an unbelievable fastball that misses a lot of bats and a slider that's a great backdoor slider or back foot slider to right-handed hitters. He's competitive. Uh, he has talent. He has tools, but above and beyond everything else he has the makeup that's going to get him there and keep him there which is a really hard thing to do is to stay in the big league so uh he just has a fantastic repertoire uh, and he's getting better he's still learning which is a scary part he can he's going to be a fantastic pitcher in the big leagues awesome uh and then i've heard a lot of uh james talks about it some where he says teams will keep guys uh in the minors who maybe have the talent right now to play in the majors um is there any sort of truth to that and any sort of like reasoning behind that in terms of player development um so there's i'm sure there's plenty of guys in AAA that could uh play in the big leagues at some point uh i don't think there's any like plan hey we're gonna keep this guy in the minor leagues for any other reason especially when excuse me when you're trying to win you want the best yeah. talent up there that's going to help you win. You're not trying to keep someone away from the big leagues so that it'll benefit you 
two or three years down the line, you want to make sure that you can win now. So uh, if a guy's ready for the big leagues and they can help us in the big leagues at that time, I'm sure. I mean, we've had a lot of guys called up this year and, and they've done a fantastic job. The young players have really done well and they fit in nicely with the veterans on our club. So, yeah. um, With the MLB not being salary capped and, you know, with there no being dra- being no draft pick trading, uh, you talk about you know always trying to win. Do you think that a lot of that sort of discourages the the tanking that we see in other sports? Well, they've they've yeah, yeah. I, I don't think there's as much tanking as as you would think, or that we could predict. Um, I think that we've done a good job with how the draft is run now, um, what they're doing to keep that out of the the thought process as, as you finish your season, if you might not be playing that well. Um, so I think MLB has done a great job of kind of keeping that uh, away from our game. Um, Okay. That's awesome. It's good. It's good to see one of the, you know, big three that's not, you know, sort of going down that path where you've got, you know, sort of 50, 50 of teams who just aren't even trying and then, the contending teams. Right. Um, and then could you just speak a little bit about uh, sort of your background as, as a pitcher? Um, you know, you played for the local Norfolk Tides. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure back when they were the Mets affiliate. Is that correct? Correct. Uh, and- I uh, went to college, was not recruited. Um, I was lucky enough to uh, get a dorm room that overlooked the baseball field. And uh, I would watch them practice and play and just thought, hey, I want to try out for this. So my sophomore year, I tried out, uh, was fortunate enough to make the team, went through a position change. Went, I was all over the field, shortstop, second, uh, outfield, never played on, on the varsity uh, in, as a position player. But uh, my pitching coach at the time, Rusty Filter, who's now the uh, head coach at uh, Santa Clara, uh, saw that I had some arm talent. And he was nice enough to spend the time and to work with me and and uh, try to turn me into a pitcher. And then from there, the Mets drafted me in the 10th round in 1995. Um, I spent uh, all the way through 99 with them, was where I finished in Norfolk. Uh, got called up briefly with, the, with New York and then traded to uh, Kansas City in 99. And then I spent a couple years up and down with them and uh, finished my career with the uh, Texas Rangers in triple a so awesome. i was very fortunate to be in the yeah. right place at the right time with the right people around me to help out including my parents and and the people that gave me the opportunity to to go to school and and uh, try for the team yeah i i always thought it was a a very cool path to the big leagues um sorry for the the noise to those of you who are listening a uh, little something going on back at the house um so next question being uh you know a lot there's been a lot of uh you know guys go top prospects who go to juco or you know smaller division one schools uh as opposed to you know other sports where that's obviously less common could you talk about that sort of pipeline with these you know powerhouse juco community college schools that produce mlb talent it's it's a it's a really good question. It's a really good thought. Um, I always tell. So let's start back in high school. Everyone tries to get into a, a college that wants to play, right? 
And where do they start? You tell me where they want to start. What, what teams? Division one, right? Yeah. SEC, then they move down. Listen, there's a baseball team for everybody out there in, in college. You've got to find where your talent fits. If you believe in yourself and you're doing the things that, that you know are right, whether it's in a JUCO, a Division three, an NAIA, or a Division one in the SEC, then someone's going to notice that. And if your work ethic and belief system are that strong, then you'll be able to uh, do the things you want to do. So we see all the time the kids that were passed over, then all of a sudden they go to one year at uh, Division three, they get stronger. They start throwing a little harder. They start hitting the ball a little further. They start running a little faster. They get noticed by someone, then someone watches them. Then we start moving it. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, this guy's really developing well. He's got the makeup. There's talent everywhere. It's just, it really relies on the player to get to the, get to all the talent that he has in him. And the best coaches and the best scouts can see it even when they're not showing it on the field. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's called like projection. So when they're really good at what they do, which we have a lot of guys that are really, really good at what they do when they scout, they can say, listen, I know what it looks like now but this is what it's going to look like in three or four years, maybe even five years. And that's when you talked earlier about, well, is the guy going to be quick in the minor leagues? Is it it going to take him a while in the minor leagues? That's all wrapped into this whole thing. So it's a long process, but it's at the end of the day, when you make those 20 to 22 picks, depending on if you have some extra picks in the draft, it's really exciting. It's fun to say, okay, we got the guy we wanted. Now let's develop him. And that's why, we love doing it because we trust our development so much, our player development. Yeah. So obviously, you know, talk about great player development as well as, you know, sort of extra rounds in the draft, you know, 20 plus rounds with that. And with the size of minor league systems, even though the MLBs cut back on it a little bit. um, Sure. Is there anything that you maybe change? Does that allow you to take more sort of risks in terms of, you know, projection, you know, taking a guy who is a sort of a project. Yeah. A lot of the times it depends on uh, where you're picking in the draft one and two, it depends on really who's there. Sometimes uh, you're just really excited. Like all of a sudden there's a guy there that you had no plans was going to be there for your pick. Um, We really have, have gotten fortunate. We've got some guys that, that are fantastic uh, athletes, people, uh, pitchers, position players, uh, when, we're, when we weren't expecting to. Um, but, uh, yeah, sometimes you'll take a risk on a guy, but you you these are calculated risks. These are things that you talk about for a long time uh, that everybody's involved in, from from the president on down to to me, to somebody else. I mean, everybody gets to say their, their, their part, and then – you kind of put it all together and that's where our scouting director is so good. He can take all these different voices and he can put it into one player and say, okay, this is where we can take him. This is what we'll give him. This is what we'll offer him, whatever it might be. But uh, it's a very special skill that, that very few people have and, and ours does. Awesome. And then last question, you know, there's a lot of sort of outside projections and you know, speculation about, you know, the draft, even coming from, you know, what my partner and I do on the podcast. 
So how much of that, you know, obviously teams want to keep their strategies sort of secretive. So how much do you think the public really can tell about a draft and about like a draft class? I think there's always confusion because sometimes uh, somebody will make it to your pick and you won't take him. Everyone's like, what are you doing? It's the best one. He may have told us he wanted to go to school. He, he may have told us uh, that he doesn't, he, yeah, he just wants to go back to school he, or he's not ready for baseball. There's a lot of different factors that go into it. Um, so sometimes things are, are mis, misconstrued, I guess is the right word. Uh, but there's a lot more than goes into it than just who's left to pick. And that's why you'll see in the draft, and I know you've studied it because I know you, that you'll see guys in the 11th round getting a million dollars or a guy in the fourth round getting a hundred thousand dollars. So those things always raise people's eyebrows. Like what just happened? And it just has to do with what uh, the organization is trying to do as a whole. And, you know, I mentioned our scouting director before Michael Holmes, he has so many different voices that he's dealing with, whether it's me or the president or our GM or, or, you know, another scout that he's got to put it all together. Then he's got to find out, okay, is this what we're trying to do as a team? Is this the type of player the San Francisco Giants want? And it, it's, it's just very specialized and it can be confusing to people at times, but we put in a lot of time in the room discussing, discussing, discussing arguments, uh, agreements, and trying to get the players on the on the board in the right order of how we like them and how they'll benefit the Giants the most. Awesome. Well, I think that's all of the questions that I have. If you have any other uh, final thoughts or anything else you'd like to say. Um, yeah. I got one for you. Do, how Have you thanked your mom and dad yet? Uh, for getting you all this to get help hooking you up and getting you through this yes all the time don't you <laughs> yes i miss you guys man yes. i wish you're still out here in kc but hopefully we'll be be able to visit one way or the other if we come out yeah there, or if you guys come out here yeah hopefully you, you sure you don't soon. have any other questions outside of baseball or within baseball that you would ask um i mean well one thing was there anybody from east this year who was uh who was any uh, intriguing at all? Not from East, but this year there will be. And there's also, uh, there's some players. Uh, there's probably four guys that uh, have interest within the Blue Valley School District. Okay. And I know I know East isn't, isn't part of that district, but yeah, they have an interesting player there as well. So we'll nice. kind of see how that goes. Can't give away the secrets right here, Nat. It's true. It's true. Um, <laughs> Well, are you playing this year? I am not. I stopped playing after last year to play basketball. Okay. Um, yeah, your I, dad said you got yeah. tall. Well, not tall enough. I could always be taller, but um, a little bit taller than him. Um, but yeah, I think that's I think that's all of it. Uh, it's been awesome having you on. You're our first like official guest on the podcast. I tried to wear a collared shirt and look good so when you're famous, I can say I look decent on your show. Is that alright? Yep, it's great. 
It's great. Because I know well. you're going to kill it. I know you're going to kill it because I know you. So you're going to be fine, man. You're going to do a great job. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, yeah. it's been a lot of fun. And uh, to the listeners signing off uh, on this episode of Taste from the Lace podcast.